Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Uriel podcast. My name is Safar Mafimba, and I am your host once again today. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And my hope is that it will bless you and that you can experience a total transformation by reason of this information that we are constantly sharing on our podcast. So just to get straight into it, today I'm going to be answering a question that I believe a lot of Christians are facing. Um, And once again, it's not necessarily a question that maybe people will voice out and say, oh, this is my question. I don't quite understand this. But sometimes maybe it's even a question that you have failed to ask yourself that uh, we can address on this podcast. Maybe something worth you thinking and maybe even realizing that, oh, wow, I didn't realize that I was living from this place. But by reason of this point being brought about, um, I am more open to thinking about this topic and ultimately even changing my habits and how I was doing certain things. So today the question is, how do I believe that God is good? Looking at what he did in the Old Testament. So we've all heard the message that God is good. When somebody preached salvation to you, hopefully they told you that God was good. Maybe if they didn't use the term good, they said God was loving. And they shared John 3 verse 16 with you. And they said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that is the basis by which we believe that God is good. But here's the question. How does a loving God finally decide to sacrifice his own son, who is also his person? How does God get to a point of sacrificing his son for people that he has seemingly been cruel to in the Old Testament. How is it possible that God seems to have changed? How do I believe that God is good? How do I believe that God is good looking at his track record? Because whenever we talk about somebody or we describe their character, it's good to have a reference point to see when they have lived up to that character and characteristic. But we look at God and we see this carnage in the Old Testament, his chosen people and his loved people did not even enter into the promised land. Their children entered, apart from a few individuals. But mostly the people that entered are actually the children of the people that had actually received the promise. Why does it seem like God was such a cruel God, an evil God, if I must say? He is painted to be evil. How can that God be good all of a sudden? So I just want to explain a few important things to you within the space of the next 10 minutes or so. It is always made to seem that in every single book that comes before Matthew, God was a God of, say, hellfire and evil and all sorts of things. 
But then you realize something very important. Number one, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God did not take them out of the garden because uh, of their sin or because he did not love them anymore. He did not chase them out of the garden because of that. If you read carefully in, I believe this is Genesis chapter 3. If it's not, it's between any, any, any time from there. But it should be Genesis chapter 3. Towards the end, you realize that um, the Bible says that the reason why God cast Adam and Eve out of the garden was so that they would not eat of the fruit um, of the tree of life. And the reason why he cast them out of the garden is because he was like, I don't want them to remain in this state of, of sin. I don't want them to remain in this state uh, of, of, of being fallen. I want to one day redeem them. So he removed them from the garden because there was a tree that could give them life. So that's the first misconception that we have that I just want to iron out. And then going forward, you see all manner of evil erupt where Cain kills his brother, where there's the time of Noah. There's so many different things that happen, but you see God as being a gracious and a loving God. How come he didn't kill Cain for killing his brother Abel? After all, Abel had offered the good sacrifice. Why did he even go on to protect Cain if God is such a bad God? You may then argue that, okay, but you just spoke about Noah. Why did God wipe out the whole world in the time of Noah? One thing you also realize about this time is that you realize that the, the daughters of men had had created an abomination essentially by being by coming together which with angels sexually and giants were a byproduct of this so god was trying to wipe out a generation of individuals that was not um part of his creation so the reason why he did that was not because he hated men or because he was punishing them, but he was getting rid of evil that was in the world. I haven't even gotten to the point that I want to get to. Uh, this is just a 15 minute podcast, so unfortunately I can't get into certain details. Um, but if you would like to get more in-depth answers on this, uh, you can always send us a message and we'll send you the relevant resources to, to look at. But anyways, after that, you realize that no one was really punished for their sin up until the time where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. That is the point when you begin to see people dying and falling like flies. And from the time of Moses... This is where God begins to be painted as a bad God, an evil God, a God that does that is anti-life, essentially. But I want to show you something about the nature of God, that God has always been loving, even in those moments, that God has 
always had our best interest in his heart. You're going to notice something about this, these laws or these commandments that was given to Moses to give to the people. The Bible says that the children of Israel or men in general did not know the difference between good and evil. Though they had eaten the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, but they had no conscience or they had no desire to do good because they couldn't tell good apart from evil. So what happened was sin prevailed in the world, but there was nothing binding men. God could not be in a place of punishing them for something they did not know, right? So you realize that when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, of course his intention was not so that he could punish the people, but the intention was so that people could know and distinguish between good and evil. So... All that is in sin was supposed to have been well articulated in not only the Ten Commandments, but I think they're about, is it 613 laws or so that they were given in total, about 613 laws. And they were then supposed to know that this is good and this is evil. So the law was meant to, to reveal sin. And now the reason why you begin to see people dying whenever they disobeyed the law is God was trying to teach them that the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 3 verse 23, the wages of sin is death. And of course, sin was producing a spiritual death, but these guys had no understanding of anything spiritual. So they had to have a physical death represent a spiritual death that would be happening because of sin. So that is why you see death happening is because God was trying to show them that the path that you're taking leads to death. Don't take this path. It's not a good path. So he was never a bad or an evil God. He was trying to save his children. And somebody may say, well, why didn't he just give them the word? If God is so good, he would just taught them, sat them down and taught them some lessons. I want to show you a scripture in Ezekiel chapter 26, uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. Hopefully I can get to it quickly. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. And it reads, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. Here, God is letting us know that our hearts were hard. They were hardened towards him, so there was no way we could understand anything spiritual because our hearts were hardened toward him, were hardened toward his word, were hardened toward his love. The spirit that we had was a broken spirit. Our spirit was not in communion with his spirit. 
because of the condition of our spirits. In the book of Isaiah tells us that our righteousness was like filthy rags and we could not relate to a holy God in that state. So God had to find something to put in place to preserve us up until the time of the final solution, which was his son, Jesus Christ, coming to die for us and restoring us to him. So I will give you references that you can read. Unfortunately, I'm almost out of time, so I may not be able to uh, to read all of them. But one is from Romans chapter uh, 7. Let me just see from what verse I want to read from. Um, da, 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 da. Maybe verse 7. Yeah, verse. if you read from Romans chapter 7, from verse 7 to 25, it really explains to you. Let me just read a little bit. And it says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? No, God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin. But by the law, you see that we did not know sin, but it is through the law that we knew sin. And then it goes on to say, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shall not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of con What is this word? concupiscence for without the law sin was dead anyways and it goes on but you realize that the, the the problem that then came about is that sin was then also strengthened by the law because the law itself produced a rebellion that was within us because the flesh does not understand anything that is spiritual. If you continue reading, it tells you that the law is spiritual. So anything that is spiritual, your flesh will always want to rebel against that. That is why the Old Testament was so chaotic. So I want you to read the word with a lens of seeing God's love and God's goodness. How God always wanted to be in communion with us and always wanted to talk to us and guide us. And he always wanted us to live a holy, righteous and perfect life and to be as he is. But in that love story, there was something called sin that came in the way and that sin was producing death and was against the agenda of God, which was life. And God had an ultimate plan to restore us back to him. But his plan involved him coming down and dying for our sins. And there is no way that he could come and die for our sins if he himself had sin in himself. So one of the things he did is he placed the law number one so that we could know what evil was so that we would not do it. But number two, it was also a way of preserving the bloodline so that when finally he was to come out of the children of Israel, he could be of a pure bloodline and he could be one that could uh, that could save us from our sin. So I know I'm saying a lot. I apologize. But within all of this, we see God's love and protection for us.
We see God's intentionality. We see God's desire to always be with us. And finally, when you come to John 3 verse 16, this is not the beginning of love. This is the fulfillment of a love that was always present. This is a fulfillment of what God always wanted for us. This is then, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In the Old Testament, you see prophecies and prophecies and prophecies about Jesus coming. And this is God just saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. The time is coming when I will save you. So the Old Testament is not there to contradict God, but it is there to reveal his heart toward us. In fact, when you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe from verse 6 to 11, it tells us of the experiences that the children of Israel had in the wilderness uh, with God. And it says that these things were written so that we may learn. And I believe that it's not just talking about the world, the wilderness and so forth, but it's talking about the whole Testament as a whole. It's written so that we may learn and it's written so that we may understand God's true love and his nature. So this has been very long and I have not even finished answering the question. Um, but I will Put some resources. I will put some scripture for you to go through and read. This is not something that you can grasp in one moment. You need to read it. You need to soak in it and you need to believe it. Romans is a very good book if you want to understand this. The whole book of Romans is very good if you want to understand this. The book of Galatians is also a very good book if you want to understand this. So I will just send a few snippets for you to read, but for today i hope i have sparked an interest within you to go and look and search out these matters until then god bless you abundantly and may you live and may you see god's best in your life and in your family's life in the name of jesus i pray amen